Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, July 29, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Pretty mundane, quiet, grinding, chop shop formation type of day. Let's take the daily chart as we always do from a 30,000 foot view perspective. We're going to kind of reel back a little bit and look at it from a logical perspective. What happened today? Nothing happened today. They ate time off the clock at new highs, near new highs. They made a new high, no closing high, but they peaked their head to make a new high and then pulled back this afternoon. That's not bearish. It's not bullish. It's just continuing to run sideways, eat time off the clock near the highs. There's nothing bearish about the market trading at and price action to be around the highs. So from a daily chart perspective, the trend is your friend until she tosses your clothes out the second story window. And by the way, the more time they eat off the clock by not making new highs on a continuous basis, but essentially running sideways, the higher the breakout can be if in fact they're building energy for the next leg higher. And that's what they are doing until this current pattern, this bullish flaggish kind of thing up here at the highs, until that's broken apart. Until that happens, that's what they're doing, building energy for the next leg higher. What's the next leg higher? When they're in no man's land, we don't know exactly how high they can get, but we have an idea that if they begin to push higher, then that number or that zone is on the table. Seems far away when we sit here at around 440, but really it's not far away. Think about it for a moment. Where are we from an S&P cash index or ES perspective? We're above 4,400. Okay, what's the next big fat round number? 4,500. How many points away is that? Around 100. Can they move 40, 50, 60, 70 points in a day? Absolutely. Can they move 100 points in a day? Absolutely. I'm not saying they will. It's just not that far away. I just want to put it in perspective. And you know the drill. If, in fact, they begin to push higher. I'm not saying they do all this tomorrow. I'm just saying in general terms. We're out into next week for argument's sake. They begin to push higher. You know what happens. Buying begets buying. Panic buying sets in. FOMO sets in. Next scene shows they're at 44.50, and then once they begin to push up a little more, that draw, that magnetic draw of 4,500 will do what? It will draw price in. That's just the way it works. Whether or not they ever get there, we have no idea. I'm just saying in the hypothetical terms, that's kind of what happens in these scenarios. It's not like we haven't seen this before dozens of times. Is there anything else we need to discuss from a daily chart perspective? No. The volume was light, but that doesn't tell us anything. That's not bearish. That's not bullish. It's just light volume. If there's an increase in volume, a market increase in volume, that tells us there's additional participation. If we see institutional participation in the market, that may tell us something based on the price action and where price is on the chart. So we put volume together with what's going on in the chart. But when there is no volume, there is no standout volume, it's just 
light volume, we just move along. It just becomes a non-entity. Is there anything to discuss on the 240-minute chart? Well, there is one or two things to discuss. A, obviously, they're above all the moving averages, so we don't really need to discuss that. But what they did do is they negated. They got above the high of this breakdown candle, 439.94. Remember that. That was the uber-important spot over the last few days. The opening print today was slightly below the actual breakdown candle high by a few pennies, but they immediately went up and that was the end of it. So they didn't gap over it like we talk about. They gapped up, the opening print was exactly 439.83 against 439.94, and then they went up from there. By the way, just to be technical about things, the old high was 441.03. So they were above it, and then by the end of the day, they came back to close below it. Again, we would like to call that a recapture, but when they peek their head up above the old high, they're at the highs. There's nothing bearish about that. They just didn't close at a new high. Doesn't mean they won't do it tomorrow. Leading into the weekend, the end of the month, you get the story. 120 chart, is it telling us anything? No, they just pulled back in the afternoon. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. This is in an uptrend. The trend is your friend until it's not. Hourly chart, same routine. The only thing that begins to change things from an hourly chart perspective is if they start getting below the low of today's first candle, for argument's sake. That low is 439.81. Get below there, start closing below there, and start getting below the 20-period moving average, and the short-term trend begins to turn down. Okay, fair enough. That's something to watch out for leading into Friday morning. The other thing to watch out for is... They just go higher yet again right into the weekend. Without a negative spark tomorrow, overnight, something like that, that's exactly what they're going to do. What happened inside the numbers today? For the most part, the S&P 500 was quiet. It was a grinding chop shop formation. We know about that. But we had stocks on the move. We'll circle back to review those in a few moments. First, what we'll do is we'll scroll up, let you read the commentary. It was pretty simple today. Above 440 on candle closes, especially in hour one, the next leg higher should be underway. They started the next leg higher, and then they stopped the next leg higher. And they stopped just short of a number that you'll see up on the board in a couple of moments. Just because they're in no man's land doesn't mean we don't have some kind of logical place. In fact, when we get there, I'll go back to the chart and I'll show you why that was a logical place. Again, a lot of times, I'm just looking at things that other people don't consider. It's not magic. It's not voodoo. For me, it's just common sense market analysis. Let's see what else we have. Early thoughts, it was all about 440 unless they fell apart. If they fell apart, I would have had more to say, but they weren't falling apart. So this morning was just a continuation of the post-Kabuki tape. Before the opening bell, if they had an early morning shakeout operation... 439.50 down to 439 should be initial support. They didn't even do that. They just really took off out of the gate for the most part. There's a gap at 440.82. It's good to know about that. You're likely to get some kind of a reaction in the other direction at a gap. And here's your five-minute chart. We have no vertical today, but you can see what was going on. They ran up to 440.82, and they stopped. They went sideways. So resistance is resistance. It doesn't mean rejection. 
I say that a lot because I want to drill it into your head. So if resistance, where price goes up, stops, runs sideways for a while, what's that telling you? The resistance was like a way station. There's another leg coming, a continuation move coming. That's what happened today. If resistance is in fact going to reject price, then it'll send price back down in the other direction, but that's not what happened. So resistance, or overhead resistance, as I like to call it, was correct. It does not mean rejection. I'm not a condoner of chasing the market. Nothing to do at present with the SPY unless a trader was to just hop on board. That's chasing and not for me. From where I sit, Trick and Company will show up pretty soon, meaning there's got to be some kind of early shakeout operation, some kind of shakeout operation, some kind of at least tray of cupcakes gets brought to the market every single day. Ended up, it was just a quiet tape. 937, nice trade on PayPal. We'll get back to that later. Ran a test of the highs, pulled back a little bit. You know the story, nothing really happened. So there was only one thing, one number on the board, and I'm trying to find it. What I'd like you to do is pause the video and go back to the charts, double check the notes, whatever is in there, double check the work to see if this is something of value that you can use during the trading day. Here it is, 442 to 442.50, and the grind continues. How high in the short run? Here's an hourly chart. The high was, I believe, 441.80. So they came up 20 cents short of the 442. Where did the 442 come from anyway? Well, here it is. Again, this is how I did it. It's not scientific. It's more of an art form. I wasn't saying trade up to that number, and I wasn't saying short that number. I was just saying, what's the next likely place? What's the next spot? Where are they headed? Where's the next logical place for overhead resistance? And here it is. So you have the ES contract. We'll use that one. We could use the cash index. It's all one and the same. What was high of day? Well, high of day was 44.2250. So what am I looking at? I'm looking at the next logical spot. The next logical spot for me on the board was 44 and a quarter. So if you just take it in chunks, and chunks could be in 10s, chunks could be in 25s, chunks could be in 50s, 100s, depends on the market, depends on the stock, depends on what you're trying to accomplish. In this case, I'm just looking for the next logical place. So I go to the ES contract because the SPY, of course, is in no man's land, so I can always go up to the next fat round number, but let's see if it coincides with something logical, something of a more important chunk of a number in the ES. So I say, all right, how about 44 and a quarter? So it kind of came in around the same place, give or take a few pennies, as 442. And I said, all right, there's a pretty good logical reason why if they got up there, then they would probably stop going up for a while at those places, meaning either in the SPY at 442 or 44.25 in the ES or the SPX cash index. On the surface, it sounds like a bunch of bunk. If you're new to trading and you're just looking for the next bet and you're not really looking to learn, then you think this is bunk. But if you've been around a while, then you know that these little nuances are more important than generally meets the eye. We'll leave it at that. Now, let me just scroll up because frankly, there wasn't anything going on in the SPY. It was very, very quiet. 
And then at the end of the day, I pretty much packed it in. It was a watching paint dry kind of day. A couple of good trades in the morning, and you don't want to force the issue in the afternoon for sure. I had a pretty good laundry list on the board today. Eight total opportunities, but you know what happened. When they take the market up right out of the gate, it takes a lot of the early opportunity right off the board. We only want to trade stocks at our numbers, not somebody else's numbers. So as such, we had two that hit our numbers. The rest are no trades. They're off the board. We'll take a look at the chart of PayPal and Cirrus Logic. First up, PayPal, five-minute chart, getting its haircut or buzz cut at the open. Closed yesterday up above 300. Here it comes. Looks like a falling knife, but it's not. They're headed to a destination. If you have the destination right, they're going to stop falling. They're going to stop, settle in, and either go sideways or hang out for a cup of coffee, or they're going to have a reaction in the other direction. What did this one do? It had a reaction in the other direction. Minutes later, after an entry of 282.03 on the board, bright and early at zero dark 30, mind you, 287, what was the exact number? 73, just minutes later. Nice trade. About CRUS, Cirrus Logic, same to similar routine. Getting a buzz cut at the open, pretty good close yesterday, up over 84 bucks. $80.34 was the likely destination. Took a few minutes to find some stability. What happened? Turned around, went back up in the other direction. Way more than the minimum required base hit. Nice trade. The numbers work. We've got something for everybody. It depends on what's going on at any particular day. Today, two relatively easy trades early in the morning, and the SPY was a floating, bloated barge. You take what the market provides in the way of opportunity and where it provides it. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Okay, so we're in business here. It's doing the stuff that it's supposed to do. So it ate time off the clock. It ran some tests of the 217.67, and then it went to run a test of the next breakdown candle high. That all happened today. Got in a little bit into the convergence of those moving averages, never touched the 50, only got to the 100. Let's see what happens on Friday if they have Friday follies and jam all the markets up during the day on Friday, closing well, new highs in the S&P over the weekend. If they do that, we should find the IWM having been at or near 225.50. I think that's a shortable opportunity. Umpire calling balls and strikes. Weekly chart. So the weekly chart only comes into view after Friday's close. We know the 217.67, uber important. Whether or not they close above or below it, we don't know yet. Looks like they're going to close above it unless they fall apart on Friday. However, also, we have to note, we have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. You have to note this candle. That's a reversal candle from a technical, in-the-book type of perspective. Doesn't mean they work 100% of the time, just like everything else. All I'm saying is, we have to be aware that they may have recocked the gun in the IWM, poised to actually make new highs. It's possible all markets would have to be screaming for that to happen. I'm not saying it will happen or it is going to happen. I'm just saying we have to watch what's going on on all the charts. You don't want to give yourself or get confirmation bias. You have to look at the bull case. You have to look at the bear case. You have to know when one case bleeds over into the other. 
Let me explain that one. We just talked about the bull case off the weekly chart. That was right after I told you that 225.50 is probably a good short. All of a sudden you have to say, hold on a second. Is it bullish or is it bearish? Am I shorting the market? Did it just bottom? Did they recock the gun? Why would I short the market into a recocking of the gun? Well, two different charts, two different things going on. On one hand, I'm looking at one thing on the daily chart. I'm looking at a market that has made lower highs. I think they can pull the rug out of this market at any point in time. We don't guess when it's going to happen. It's an awareness that it is going to happen. And then I would say this. How about getting above on daily closes 226.89, we'll call it 227, and all of a sudden, what comes into view? 229, 230. So everything goes in steps, one step at a time. I'm saying I don't believe the IWM can get above 225.50 without a decent pullback. However, if they do, I know where they're going. So even if I believe in a short-term bear case, I'm aware of a potential longer-term bull case, and I know where more of it gets activated. That's the concept. It's managing the trade, managing the tape, managing risk, and managing your confirmation bias. How about the RSP? We don't look at this every day. We're looking at it today. Why? Because they made a new high. So the lower high thing is off the table. It no longer exists. The line going across the stream was the former high, 152.85. They closed above that high. That's a bullish signal. Doesn't mean they're going to run away, but it's a bullish signal, no doubt. And you have to take notice. And by the way, here's a puzzle piece, and it's on the table. You have to take notice of a couple of things. A, it was up more on a percentage basis, meaning it was leading the actual regular SPY or the top heavyweighted index or ETF. And not by a smidgen, but by a lot. It was up three quarters of 1%. The SPY, or I should say the SPX cash index, that's what I'm looking at now, was up about four tenths of 1%. So almost two times the cash index. Interesting. That's a puzzle piece. That's on the table, brother. And by the way, I don't want to be run down by the cancel culture, so to equal things out, it's a puzzle piece and it's on the table, sister. What's going on with the folks down at the transportation department? Look at this thing. It's still not a strong index. So it had a nice day today, up 113 points, almost eight-tenths of 1%. That's fine, but it's still beneath those moving averages. It's still in a downtrend. That's important. Why is that important? Because it's my favorite canary in the coal mine, second favorite market-leading indicator, only next to the IWM. What turns this thing bullish, even if it's just in the short term? How about a close, and let's say it happened tomorrow, just for argument's sake. 14,740 in that neck of the woods. Has to be one heck of a day to close up there tomorrow. Anything's possible. Everything is possible. We have seen crazy stuff, even crazier than the normal crazy stuff. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Q people? Something must have happened after the close. Somebody must have reported earnings, a tech company. It's trading down after hours, but that doesn't mean anything. Everything could change by the early morning hours, opening bell tomorrow. But nevertheless, all we have is the same thing we've had. It's in an uptrend. The trend is your friend. 
riding the 20-period moving average until they change trend on even a short-term basis, then there's nothing going on here other than the current trend. But wait, there's more. Check this out. So you have this big breakdown candle, and they put in this wedge pattern to go up and run a test near the highs of the breakdown candle. They got close here. They tried it again here. They never got to the high, but they got close. And then look what happened. So you have this wedge pattern going on while they're running the test. So big breakdown candle, they make a low. Now they're making a wedge pattern at the same time they're running a test. You can call it whatever you want, okay? But what's the result of these wedge patterns? We talk about them every single night. Either they get above the high, which negates the pattern, or it plays out because generally speaking, it means another move in the southern direction. Well, what's happening after hours? Well, let's check it out. The Qs are currently, as I make this video, at 363.70. So they've already come down about halfway down the whole wedge thing that they went up over the last few days. Funny how this whole thing works, isn't it? How about this weekly chart? Now, last week's candle, I should mention, is interesting. You find these at lows on charts a lot. That's a good reversal candle if you found it at a low. Market makes a low, they finish at the high, you have a lot of volume. I'm not talking about a lot of volume last week, just saying generally speaking. And then it becomes a reversal candle after the market takes off. Here, you have the same candle at the highs. There's something spooky about that. It's not the norm. If you had it with tremendous volume, institutional buying, something happened, they rushed into the market, that's one thing. But you had it with average volume. It's a little bit strange. May we live in interesting times. And we do. I assure you, we do. It's all unfolding right before our eyes. Most people can't see it. What about the financials, the XLF? This is doing everything we discussed that it would do if, in fact, this pattern did what it was supposed to do. So off the lows, they run up. So they create a breakup candle. They run up a little bit more. And then they start eating time off the clock. Going sideways, what does that tell you? It tells you they're building energy for the next push higher. So what are they doing now? They're in the midst of the next push higher. What's the target? 38. Now, let me mention a couple of things. So this was put out to the Lazy Swing Trader members yesterday. What was put out? It was an option trade that was put out. So from yesterday, the XLF is only up like 1%. It was up more earlier, but while it was up, let's say 1.2% or whatever it was at the high near 37, guess what the option was up? How about 50%, 45%, 46%, depending on where you might've got a fill yesterday on the buy side. Notice anything else? How about from the lazy e-mini trader course, it was on time. There's a method to the madness. Why did I buy it yesterday? The lazy swing trader is not about the amount of trades. It's about being methodical. Even when there's a couple of trades out of the money, you get some quick hits along the way. A hit here, a hit there, a hit there. And then all of a sudden, the one that's out of the money is no longer out of the money. That's the way swing trading works. Remember, base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. A series of base hits over a long period of time in a swing trading account does better than put you in the Hall of Fame. Along with the XLF, we talked about Smash Mouth, same to similar thing going on in the daily chart. 
So the expectation was around the same. What did they do today? Same. They had a pop higher. I didn't have a trade on this one, but the same thing nonetheless. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.